Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Celtic View podcast. I'm Ryan Marr and as ever I'm joined by our Celtic View editor Paul Cuddy. Paul, how are you? Enjoy the weekend's action? Yes, I enjoyed it very much so and I'm looking forward to later in this podcast when we can look back on our predictions from the weekend. Don't start, please. That's the last thing I need just now. <laughs> um, yeah, we've got we've got quite a few things coming up on the, the podcast. Uh, Paul's spoke to Cal McGregor about his upcoming autobiography which is coming out this week so make sure you stay tuned for that and yeah as Paul Smug- Smugly said we've got our predictions game at the end which you may just be beating me in so Maybe. We'll, we'll get to that um, but there is there's only one place to start Paul and that's Saturday with the 6-1 victory over Hibs of course James Forrest getting his 100th goal for the club with the hatchet we'll get onto him more specifically in a moment, but just in general, in terms of the game, it was it was a superb performance, wasn't it? It was brilliant. I mean, it was really enjoyable, and I think when when really when we really click, I mean, the football we're playing is great, and you can feel it around the stadium. You know, obviously there's the goals; it's relentless attacking, but you can I think you can feel that ripple of excitement because people are actually enjoying what they're watching. And I thought, I mean, Hibs started quite brightly in the first couple of minutes and committed some men forward. I think once we get a grip in the game, it was just non-stop and, you know, 6-1, I actually flattered Hibs, I thought, and I think they know that as well. I mean, I think their manager afterwards, um, who, you know, obviously, I think his, the big talking point was his dodgy coat that he wore to football game, but he absolutely slaughtered his team. But I think he probably, really, on reflection, should be grateful that it was only six because, you know, we were absolutely relentless and it was brilliant. It was a really enjoyable day. The last couple of league games prior to that were both 2-1 victories for Celtic against Motherwell and St Johnson. And I think a lot of people externally were looking at the results and going, are Celtic on a little bit of a blip? But actually, when you take the performances in those games and put it up against the game against Hibs, it's been so similar in terms of the chance we've created, the performance. The difference in Saturday, we just took our chances. Well, we spoke about it before on the podcast. There was a game, I think, last season where we'd beat Motherwell, for example, 1-0. Tom Rogic just scored the goal. I had no recollection of the game, but in the course of a season, you're not going to beat teams 6-1, 9-0, 7-0 or whatever it is every single week. But the idea, it's quite funny actually that people, as you mentioned, from the outside are saying Celtic are suffering a blip, but we still won the games. I mean, we went into the, the game on Saturday having won eight of our first nine games. We're two points clear at the top of the table. So the idea, I mean, I think it's sometimes it's manufactured by people who want to kind of create some sort of, as if it's a crisis. It's a bit like, you know, we, we had a defensive crisis last season, which if we get that every year, I'll, I'll be really pleased because <laughs> we have a really impressive defensive record, which we do again this season. But again, people like to manufacture these things. But I think what the manager's very good at is just making sure that there's, the outside noise stays on the outside. And when the players come out on that pitch, they're just focusing what they what they want to do and on Saturday it all just clicked into place. Because that brings up 10 games in the league so far this season which is quite a good point to kind of look back on the league campaign so far and when you do compare it to last year the manager always talks about progression. You can see clear signs of progression in the team where this time last year I think we're maybe a good like four, five, six points behind. I think maybe even more actually. I mean because I think it was after seven games we had won three lost three and drawn one yeah and we went into a really important month of october and i think everybody was looking at i think we were due to play at Pataudry, easter road and fir park and thinking we have to win them all which we did 
So there's definitely been progression. And I think because of the way the team's progressed, because of the way we're playing, when we do have a blip, a real blip, as in losing 2-0 against St Mirren, it becomes a big thing because it's so unexpected. I think as fans, we go into every game thinking, well, we're going to win. And I'm sure the players do as well, but not we're a bit more blasé about it, obviously. <laughs> that obviously doesn't happen. You know, there's, there are blips along the road in football. But, you know, we're really on the, the right path. And I, I also felt there was a kind of element of, I'm not sure if frustration was the right word, but certainly because of the you know the manager in his pre-match press conference had touched on it, the fact that if anybody didn't think, for example, in, in relation to a European campaign that we didn't deserve to be there, then they were they were coming at it with a, a certain agenda because the only questions he's been asked after the four games is about the chances that we maybe we haven't taken, which would, as he said, indicates that we actually were performing well, we're creating chances, we're maybe just not taking them. So I think there was maybe part of that saying, right, we'll just go out there and show these people what we can do, and, and they did that. Yeah, because I think in terms of the, the European run so far, I think in last and previous campaigns, we're talking about the chances we're missing, obviously because we're creating them. But I think in previous seasons gone by, we weren't even really creating chances. And games that we look back on that we did win, you look at Barcelona's and Man United's, you don't remember those games and you don't remember the hat full of chances we had. You just remember the scoreline at the end, which was it's obviously amazing. But again, it just shows the, the sign of the progression in the team that we're going to these games in Europe and we're competing against these types of teams. Um, we need to talk about James Forrest. Uh, I think quite a few of us were maybe having a bit of a joke beforehand. Knew he was starting, thought, could they get a hat-trick? Could they get the 100? As soon as he got that first goal, I think everybody felt he's going to end up doing it. And just such an incredible achievement from, from such an incredible player. And I, I, I mean, it is absolutely incredible. I mean, the fact that he's only the 30th player in our history to score at least a century of goals is absolutely remarkable. When he made his 450th appearance during the week against Leipzig and had a really good game when he came on. I think sometimes he's maybe, to an extent, an unsung hero. I think sometimes he's maybe underappreciated. By, by some Celtic fans, you have to say that sometimes, and I think not so much just James as a person, I think sometimes at those positions, the players that play out wide for Celtic tend to come in for more criticism because they are, they are expected to beat players all the time, they're meant to create chances and score goals, and when that doesn't happen, then maybe they, they sometimes get some criticism. But I think in, in any way you want to gauge a Celtic great, James Forrest ticks all the boxes. I mean, the amount of appearances, the amount of goals, the amount of assists, the amount of trophies, and the longevity as well, that you know, different teams have come in, different players have come in, different managers have come in, they all play him because he brings something to the team, and it's, I think it's just remarkable, and I was so pleased and he's such an unassuming guy as well. I mean, what I like about him and you know Callum McGregor as well, both academy boys that have come through the ranks, are just there's a humility about them. They they stay away from the limelight. They're not on social media. They just want to play football. And um, so it was it was brilliant. It was one of many. It was the highlight of the weekend, and it was just it made for a really great day. I think that long, longevity is is key to it because particularly in that position, I think when Forrest first broke through, he was a player that was. It was all about his pace. He's had to reinvent himself over time. He's now 31, I mean, he's still not that old. And again, you can see now he's, he's starting to kind of reinvent his game that little bit more and, and still such a crucial part to the team. And I think now going forward, given the fact he's just scored a hat-trick, his confidence is going to be sky high as well. And 
you can you know he's just going to be really crucial to the team this season. I think he always is, and you know, I think what's really great when you look at those wide positions, you've got him, and then when he comes off, Lila Bader comes on, who's been excellent. You've got Jota, who wasn't playing at the weekend. Haksabanovic was excellent in the first 45. Maida comes on down that left-hand side. He scores a goal. So we're really strong in those wide positions. I think his experience, James's experience, is just incredible. And again, another thing which I think over the years, not just maybe this season when he's maybe not been a regular starter, and that's maybe happened at various periods in his career, but he just, you never ever hear anything about any discontent, any grumblings. He just obviously just puts his head down, works hard every day, thinks he's really popular with other players, and I think he just leads by example. And I, I, I think he's a great player. He's a, you know, I think sometimes maybe it's only in years to come that people will look back and certainly when the next generation are looking at the statistics, they'll say, well, did you see James Forrest play? And you'll be able to say, well, yeah, I saw his entire career from that when he scored that first goal against Motherwell right through to whenever he does finish. That's a privilege as a Celtic fan. Yeah, 100 goals. He's got more than 100 assists as well. And I saw something on Twitter this morning, actually, just looking at that longevity in terms of when he scored his first goal and they're comparing the ages of some of the players in the Celtic team at the moment. And I think, like, Abada was seven or eight when he scored that first goal and Jens was nine. And, you know, it just, it just really shows how... How, for how long he's been doing it and it's, it's just incredible to see and as you said for somebody that is, is such an unassuming person and such a, a an amazing one club man to reach that feat and to be celebrated in that way is, is amazing um, in terms of just the game in general as well obviously Yakimakis got a couple of goals in a different afternoon we're, we're speaking about him Maeda came in got an important goal for himself as well but I suppose for the manager's point of view the fact he did make so many changes and we got such a good performance. Moy was brilliant as well. It must have just been a perfect afternoon for him. Yeah, I mean, during the, the Celtic TV commentary when, when Tom Boyd and I, towards the end of the game, we were discussing maybe this, obviously James Forrest is the standout. He's the man of the match. He gets the hat-trick, 100 goals. But there was not, I think you could have made a case for, for quite a lot of the players, if not all of them. I think it was just a really good team performance. And I think what's encouraging as well, as you mentioned, you know, someone like Aaron Moy comes in. He was excellent. Uh, Alexandro Bernabe, he got a couple of games in a row where he's, you know, well, not in a row, but last weekend is against St. Johnson. He delivers the cross for uh, Yakimakis to score. He's ball for Yakimakis' first goal the weekend was excellent. And again, what it does is give competition for places, because I'm sure he's watching the games thinking, if I'm going to try and get in the head of Greg Taylor, I need to be really good, because Greg Taylor's been exceptional this season. So I think that, that just adds to Anthony Ralston. Some of his passing, and, and particularly in that second half, he was carving hips open. Again, he knows what he has to do to try and dislodge Josip uh, Juranovic. So I think the whole thing worked really well for the weekend. And uh, I, again, I think, you could, as I say, you could feel... The funniest thing I thought at the weekend was it was a brilliant performance. Everything about it was great. We loved the football. <laughs> at, the end, at the end of the game, there was some booze ringing out. <laughs> and if people had watched it without realising, they'd be saying, why are they Celtic? So they must be really hard to please. If their team just scored six goals, but then obviously, it's all, it could only be like a, a referee that could somehow manage to manufacture 60,000 people booing at them after a game that must have been the easiest game in the world to referee. Yeah, well, remember, that was the last league game without VAR, so that's all going to change from, from next weekend. And, we're all just all going to be singing and dancing. With you should really want people to actually, next next week's podcast, it'll all be about the, <laughs> the VAR controversies. Two hour, yeah, VAR, VAR debate. Um, it builds into another 
big week. The week's just always seem big at the moment. There's so many games. No Champions League this midweek, but we've got Motherwell away in the League Cup on Wednesday before we then go to Tynecastle away on Saturday. So a couple of tricky games. In terms of the Motherwell one that's up first, of course, we're defending champions of the League Cup. The challenge now is to go and defend it. And you just get a sense with the team at the moment that they just take on all these challenges and you just you just have every confidence that they'll, they'll live up to it. Yeah, I'm old-fashioned, actually. I don't think you're champions of a cup competition. I think you're the okay. holders. Right. I think that became a, a phrase last season when another team won the Scottish Cup and somehow that made them the champions. But <laughs> anyway, I think it's... You know, I, you always go into these games confident and I think last season it gave the team such a boost. You know, new manager, new captain, effectively a new team. They won the first trophy and then all of a sudden they're winners. And that gives you a real springboard. You know... I think it's slightly different when you're playing a team like Motherwell in the cup competition because there's nothing for them to lose, particularly at home. They're not, you know, they are the, the underdogs. So I think it'll be a really tough game, actually. I think they'll they'll really go at it. And, you know, they, they, they dug in here um, when we played them recently. We, we absolutely dominated in terms of chances, but they have a couple of players, Kevin Van Veen in particular, who is a good goal scorer and who gives teams problems. So they'll... They'll be quite relaxed about it, I think, because they're, they're probably thinking, well, I would expect Celtic to win. But you know, this, t- this Celtic team, they'll, they'll be absolutely determined to make sure we're, we're back at Hamden again. Yeah, and then after that, as mentioned, it's an away trip to Tynecastle on Saturday in the lunchtime kickoff. Our first appearance with VAR in the league for ourselves. So, uh, yeah, they can't pick a, a better fixture for it. <laughs> um, Hearts away is always just one of those occasions where you, you feel like it's, a, it's always a tricky venue to, to go to. Hearts at the moment, though, the squad seems so stretched with the number of games that they've been playing in Europe. They lost at the weekend as well to, to Aberdeen. So, again, going into that one, on the back of last season, going to Tynecastle and, and getting a really impressive result as well, I'm sure they'll be going into it full of confidence. Yeah, and it's interesting, I think, teams like Hearts maybe when they end up playing in Europe, as they're doing this season and then Thursday to, to Sunday games, then maybe for the first time are starting to appreciate the demands that are put on teams like Celtic mm-hmm. because it's just a regular thing that we do and they don't have the strength and depth. So anytime they get any injuries, they're struggling. So it wasn't, although we maybe didn't quite predict an Aberdeen victory at the weekend, it maybe wasn't the most surprising result. But Tynecastle, I know over the years from interviewing ex-players, Tynecastle is always their favourite ground, away ground, because you know the stadium, the, the stands are right on top of the pitch. You know there's very little gap between the the touchline and the stands. It creates a great atmosphere. There's obviously a level of animosity <laughs> whenever we come calling, um, which is why it's so so sweet to win there. So yeah, I think that's a it's a, a big game. I think it's a good game. As I say, I'm, I think everybody's interested, not just in our game, but in all the games to see how VAR kicks in. Um, but we'll see, we'll see what happens. What do you, you make of it? I think, I think from the example of... I mean, two things from the example of England is initially there are going to be teething troubles because, you know, the techno- marrying the technology with the officials at the game and the officials watching it wherever they're watching the game, that's going to take a wee bit of time and they're going to have to kind of refine the way they do it. And you can see what's happened in England. They've maybe changed the way they've made some of the calls. I think you can look at any given weekend in England and... You know, things like offsides and what have you, there's obviously a certain level of technology which is similar to goal line technology. So even though it might just be a couple of inches that somebody's toes offside, 
technically then that they are it's, it's quite harsh it's the other decisions which are, which are still open to interpretation so a referee might make one call someone watching it elsewhere do they interpret it the same do they interpret it differently when the referee's called over to look at it does that mean he's automatically going to change it because it, they made a big thing in England recently of a, a referee having the strength of character to go over have another look at the incident after being advised to do it but then sticking to his original decision so it's not going to I think as we've seen in football elsewhere, it's not going to suddenly erase all mistakes and it's just a different thing for us to, to feel a sense yeah. of injustice about, I think. It's one of those things that you, you always highlight when it goes wrong, but there are, there are a number of occasions where it, it's right. I think the, the Leeds-Arsenal game at the weekend, Leeds get a penalty for, for what was a, a real blatant handball. The referee doesn't give it and has to go to VAR. So if that's not there, obviously Leeds didn't score a penalty anyway and they lost the game. But if you didn't have our Leeds fans be going away saying we should have had a point in that game, the ref didn't give a blatant handball. But for me, it's just, it's a way a lot of the time when they'll freeze frame it or they'll slow it down. It's like football's not played at a slower pace than that. It's not played stop start. You've got to kind of view it in the action it's, it's, yeah. it's meant to be. It's the balance because obviously referees are seeing the game at full speed. So sometimes they maybe don't see something or, it, you know, the incident's passing the blink of an eye, so they have to make that snap judgment. And that's, a th in theory, where someone with the, all the different camera angles and being able to slow it down can sometimes see something. You know, so you see it sometimes with some really late tackles that are given yellow cards and then retrospectively. That Leeds game was interesting because there was also a bad incident at the end where Leeds got a penalty and Arsenal got a player sent off. And then VAR looked at it, realised it was a foul against Arsenal in the first place. But what was interesting about that is the, the red card incident should still have stood because the guy still mm -hmm. kicked the Leeds player. So, but again, that's referees interpreting it. So yeah. I think uh, it's, we are just going to end up, people are going to be fed up listening to us more in about VAR in weeks to come. Uh, there'll be nothing to talk about when VAR's in. It'll solve everything. Um, well, this is a, a big week for yourself and for Cal McGregor because... His book is coming out, which you've had the pleasure of, of helping Callum put together. Um, just tell us a little bit about the book, uh, how it all kind of came about. Yeah, I mean, it's called the, the Making of a Celtic Captain, which is maybe an obvious title. But I think he, and, and to an extent, James as well, you know, they're part of a rare breed of footballers nowadays who, you know, start an academy. So Callum was nine when he joined our, Celtic, our youth academy. And 20 years later, almost in a nice symmetry, he becomes the title-winning captain of a Celtic team. Now, that happens so rare in football anyway, so it's telling that journey of him from, you know, from growing up in the East End of Glasgow. And I think, I think that's the other aspect of it is that he's just an East End boy. You know, he's, when he used to play he's with his big brother uh, in Spring Boyg from a big hill where they played, they could see Celtic Park and, you know, that's, that was his aim, that was like even as a wee guy he's thinking that's where I want to be and he ends up in our academy system and you know there's a lot of talent there and I spoke to the, his first coach at Celtic, I spoke to the person that scouted them and obviously with hindsight they can say well you can see he had the talent which he obviously did but when actually Callum explains his story there's so much more to it, there's the, you know, the amount of hard work, the amount of dedication over and above all the talent, the, the sacrifices he's had to make, the support and the sacrifices his family's had to make. It's a brilliant story. Um, and I think because it's got that brilliant ending of 
gone from like a wee guy who just gets spotted and somebody sees this, you know, the scout, Robert Wilson, thinks he's a player. And then we see what's happened over the years to him becoming, uh, you know, the first team player. Um, but it's, it's fascinating, you know, he, there's obviously been highs and lows along the way and he kind of tell, tells basically how he's got to where he is now. Yeah, I think that title, the making of a Celtic captain is so fitting because throughout the book, one of the main takeaways from, from me is how much of his, his childhood has really kind of shaped the type of person and the player he is and the work rate and the drive that he has. That's evident from such a, a young age and it's just something he's always had in him. So it really, really is a, a fascinating read. comes out on the, the 20th of October. So if you've not pre-ordered it yet, then make sure you get your copy in the Celtic stores then. And you had the chance to, to speak to Callum this week as well. Yeah, just to kind of catch up and just to talk about it, because it's because one of the things, as you say, it's there's so many different elements that, that Celtic coaches over the years can help him with and develop his technique and his tactical awareness and his game awareness. But there's, you have to have that, and I think for all players to get to that elite level, they have to have that drive. I think the role of his parents is fascinating because they had a meeting initially with with Tommy Burns, God rest him, and he was he was kind of speaking to the parents about saying to them. You're, you're so important in this journey and they, they got it right away. They realised that they had to be all in to help them and they've been absolutely incredible. And, you know, Callum makes the point and, and I think it applies to James Forrest as well. Tommy Burns had that great saying about his greatest achievement as a Celtic player was staying here for so long because if you're not a good player, you don't. And that's, that's an indication uh, of, of how good that they are. But I say, Callum, I just wanted to, you know, Obviously, people will read the book. It's the it's the perfect Christmas present for for every Celtic <laughs> fan, because um, it is. Not only does it tell his journey, he goes into detail about how to play, how he sees the role of a midfielder, which is fascinating as well. A wee bit about how you know what he does away from the game as well, and it was just a chance for him to to kind of explain a wee bit about his about his Celtic journey. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, let's hear your your chat now with with Cal McGregor. Callum, your autobiography, The Making of a Celtic Captain, is out this week. I know you're always in the moment, you're always looking ahead, but what was that experience like of having to go back and tell your Celtic journey? Yeah, I think we've obviously sat down, had many conversations over the, the sort of summer and, and pre-season. And like you said, took the time to sort of reflect on, on my career so far and yeah, kind of surreal really um, in, in terms of you know what we're used to is just you know purely being in the moment and just looking forward to the next training session or the next game um, but to actually sit down and, and sort of relive some of the memories um, from growing up and, and obviously trying to put that into words and, and you know and, and obviously the book's now out on Thursday it's kind of surreal feeling a little bit. And even the, the cover of the book itself tells a story because there can be few footballers in, in the game who are able to have you know that picture as you have of the wee guy at nine years old in the Celtic Youth Academy all the way through to being the, the title winning Celtic captain which is a, a remarkable story. Yeah absolutely when you you know like you said the, the, the front cover of the book just tells you what the story's about really and, and, and like you said to, to be that young kid um, in the academy you know a huge huge club and a, and a huge uh, chance to, to become a professional footballer and to fast forward nearly 20 years um, to last season in, in terms of lifting the, the trophy as captain of the club then it is a remarkable story, um, something that I'm you know hugely proud of and 
and a lot of work's went in, you know, over those sort of 20 years. Um, a lot of work, a lot of sacrifice, and, and the club have been absolutely amazing for me. So to, to actually have that journey um, and put it down on paper now is, is really special. I mean, you are, you, you've lived in the dream of, of all of us as supporters, the East End boy. You know, you see Celtic Park when you're a wee boy out playing with your brother. You think that's where you want to be. So few players are able to fulfil that, that dream. But again, are you able to kind of think of how far you've came or are you just, you've got so much going on just now that you, it'll only be later even that you start to really think about it? Yeah, I think so. We've obviously spoke about that a, a bit in the book as well where you never really get the chance to reflect on in terms of what you've done or what you've achieved. Um, you're just always in the moment, just you know, on edge about the next game or the next training session and, and you just want to give everything and I think I talk about a little bit of that in, in the book as well where, you know, you, you probably don't get to that level of success if that's all you're thinking about, you know, you, you, you have to just apply yourself every day, train as hard as you possibly can and, and when the games come around, give absolutely everything and, and, and if you do that then, you know, nine times out of ten you'll be successful and, and that's when the success will come so it's, you know, it's never really a, a, a chance to sort of look back and think, oh, you know, that was that was a brilliant pathway or, or whatever. It was just just loving football and just loving the opportunity to, to try and become a footballer at this club. And, and that's, you know, now sitting down looking at the book, that's what 20 years of hard work have got me. And one of the things that, again, when everybody reads this book, that will, that will strike them about you is the importance of your family. And there's so many different aspects that go into becoming a footballer, as, as you know. One of the key elements is, is your family, and from the world go, you know, they had a meeting with with Tommy Burns, and they got it right away of what they needed to do to help you, and, and it's brilliant to see that aspect of it. Yeah, exactly. You'll you'll see bits of that in in the book about how important they've been and the support network around me. Like you said, it's it's not just about what you do on the pitch or, or what you do when you're you're at the training ground. It's it's everything. You need that support network around you as well, and and like you said, with that first meeting with Tommy, they they absolutely understood straight away, you know, how big the opportunity was that, that I had and, you know, never for a second were they going to let me waste it or, you know, not realise the importance of it and, again, in the book it, it talks about how important they were in, in, in my journey as well. But that, that, that thing you say about, you know, your parents didn't want you to waste the opportunity, but you got you grasped that as well because one of the, the illustrations in the book is, is your first kind of report card and Martin Miller, your first coach, he observes that even after a few months in the academy, he realised that you were a boy that knew you had this great chance and you weren't going to let it go by. So you, there's obviously something within you that, that realised that this was a great chance for you. Oh yeah, absolutely. Of course, you know, when you, when you love football the way that I did and the way that I do, you get the chance to, to go and train at the, the, the centre and then you get into the academy and you, and you see how big an opportunity you've got that, you know, you're, of course you're at the start of the ladder, but, you know, that dream is there and, and there's, and there's a, a possibility of getting there. So I think if you, if you don't apply yourself and give 100%, then, you know, you're wasting the opportunity that millions around the world would have loved to have had. And that's something that applies to even to this day. It's just part of, of I suppose it's a mantra that you do every day you get up. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you said it there about living the dream. That is exactly what I'm doing. You know, I never see it as a, as a job. It's, you know, it's, it's the best thing that a young man can do is, is go and play football for the, the club that he supports and the club that he loves. You know, what better can you do with your day than, than get up and go to work and, and uh, 
and pull on that jersey and represent millions around the world. So, you know, of course that comes with responsibility as well and, and pressure, but, you know, I love that side of it as well. And like I said to me, it's, you know, I would never dream about doing anything else. And, you know, in talking to you for this book, and we'll not give any spoilers in terms of the importance of, of your, your, your parents, but, you know, for me, your dad's one of the, the unsung heroes of, of particularly when you're going through the academy in terms of motivating you and, and challenging you. And uh, I mean, it's, I'm, I'm in awe of him actually for the fact that he and, and your mum grasped what they needed to do and there's some brilliant stories in there. <laughs> yeah, there is, there is. My mum was actually saying that to me the other day that she was asking me when the book came out and I said, I'm pretty sure at some point next week. And uh, she said, you know, I'm a little bit worried about how your dad's going to come across in this book. <laughs> but uh, like you said, it, obviously once you read the book you'll, you'll see what the stories are about but you know like you said there the importance of how they understood one you know the opportunity that I had and two how to get the best at me you know that was my dad's that's my dad's best skill I think even even to this day he knows he understands people and he understands me he knows when to push and where to you know where to prod me to get the best out of me and and the stories in the book certainly tell you that. Now in terms of your journey as well it's not been a smooth path uh, to, to becoming a Celtic player because obviously there's that period where you had to go down to Notts County for the season. That was obviously a key year for you as well in terms of giving you that experience because you, you came back and you know there's a change at this club and that's the springboard for you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, football is is all about timing as well. You know, you you have to arrive at the right time and and obviously you know I wasn't really I was on the bench and, and sort of in and around the first team but I wasn't really getting an opportunity. Which I've said, you know, many, many times, is there were some top midfield players at the time, um, really at the top of the game. You know, the club were in Champions League, doing really well. So you just got to bide your time and wait. And you know, when I got the opportunity to go down to Notts County and, and play regular football and and understand what first team football is all about, then you know, I was I was really excited for that as well to to go down and, and see what the level was like, see what I could do, and and sort of man's football as it as it were. And and I loved my time down there as well. You know, it gave me a real platform and a, and a springboard in, in terms of confidence and belief in myself as well and and then when we came back obviously things changed a little bit here which then gives you a, a sort of opportunity to get in and then like I said at that point I tried to make the most of it and and thankfully that I've managed to do that. Yeah and in terms of your your debut Rory Dyler gives you the debut it's a dream debut because you know you've 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 living that dream it's the first of what you hope is going to be many appearances and you mark it with the, the only goal of the game over in Iceland. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, you, you can dream a better way, really. Um, you know, the team win, you, you get your first start and, and obviously you score a goal to, to be the winner. So it's, it's a brilliant start and, and a dream start. And like you said, at that point, you know, you've, you've sort of ticked off that dream of playing for Celtic. But, you know, very quickly it becomes about, you know, how can I progress and, and move forward and, and just get more and more appearances under my belt. So, you know, it was a brilliant taste of that success and it just sort of whet my appetite for more. And even that first season, you know, there's the highs of breaking through the first team, scoring the goals, winning your first trophies. But then, obviously, towards the end of the season, you picked up an injury, and that that's part and parcel, as as you know, just now, is of, of being a footballer. Yeah, exactly. You know, there's there's never ever going to be a smooth road, you know, and especially when I broke in, I, I understood that as well. You know, to to come in to this this level, the size of the club, the expectation, the pressure, everything. You know, there was always going to be ups and downs, and. And like you say, when you, you get an injury and it, it sets you back, then it's that's where the mental side of the game comes in, where you you've you know you've got to shift your focus and 
worry about your recovery, you know, do your stuff in the gym and, and just sort of stay mentally strong till you get back. Um, so there's, you know, there was a lot of challenges in that first little period for myself and like I said, it just, you just got to stay strong and, and get through it. You know, you're learning all the time, new experiences um, and, and you have to take them all on board and, you know, then hopefully get to a level where it sort of levels itself out and, and you can get that consistency on a, on a more regular basis. And that comes for you at a period where the club, we were already in a period of success, but then it's just taken to a different level, the, the four consecutive trebles, you're at the heart of that. That's incredible for, for any player, as much as it was incredible for fans to watch. Yeah, of course, you know, when, when obviously when Brendan came in, it, it sort of really elevated the level of the club and springboard back into the Champions League, um, which then, you know, attracted more and more players as well. The squad gets stronger. And, you know, I've touched on it in the book, you know, the mentality of the group at that time was was a real ruthless group of players that understood the chance that they had and, and wanted to make the absolute most of it. And along with, you know, some really good coaching and, and management, then we managed to take the club to a sort of different level in, in terms of domestic success, which which was brilliant to be a part of. You know, it was a, it was a really enjoyable sort of period in my career and, and definitely for the club as well. So... You know, that definitely took us to a new level and, and something I think all the players really enjoyed. Yes, yeah, I think you mentioned, I think it was the, the, the double treble you scored in the cup final. Again, a dream for any boy to score a goal in a cup final for Celtic at Then to top it all, we get the open top bus back to Celtic Park. Yeah, again, you know, I, have, I think I spoke to you about that before. That, you know, that's one of the best days I've had in football. Scoring a goal in the, in the cup final, you know, we finish off another treble, um, which was a double treble at the time, you know, big bit of history was made and then obviously the the open top bus going back to Celtic Park just the streets were lined with, with Celtic fans it was it was an incredible day you know um, something that will live with me for, forever and I think what people I think what they'll enjoy about the book is the, the kind of the honesty about you know the highs and lows both personally but then obviously for a club because you know we go from the, all that dominance to the I suppose the Covid season which we were tempted just to leave a blank page because nobody really wants to, to read about it. But I think when people read about it, they'll appreciate the fact that you you kind of take on take it on what went wrong that season. Yeah, I think it, it was important that you know we we took the responsibility because you know ultimately us as a club and us as players have to take responsibility when it doesn't go well. You know, we're the guys that go out onto the pitch, and you know there's there was numerous factors within that that. That probably didn't help us in, in 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 terms of the success that we wanted to have, but you know when you step onto the pitch, you still have the responsibility to to find a way to win. Um, so I think it's important that we recognise that you know the players one probably weren't at the level in, in terms of performance wise, and then you know we really struggled to get to grips with the whole sort of COVID thing, and and like I say, we probably just didn't quite understand. Um, the way we had to behave or the way we had to, to really hone in and, and, and really be disciplined around that side of things. So, you know, it's important that we do take responsibility for it and and we learn from it as well and we learn from it as a club and, and I think we've done that, um, which is the good thing because, you know, in life everybody's going to make mistakes and it's about how you, you bounce back from those mistakes and, and learn from them and, and ultimately become better for them and, and I think hopefully we've, we've done that as a club as well. Now, the book's called The Making of a Celtic Captain. When, when when Ange comes in as the new manager, you're you're appointed the captain. And what was interesting, 
you know, your, your parents both uh, are interviewed in the book and, and your mum made the observation and I think even one or two of your teammates did as well is it's a, you know, it's a big thing to take on the responsibility of the captaincy given what happened the previous season, the demands, but then also you've fallen in the footsteps of a, of a Celtic legend and a, you know, and a, a legendary captain, but you kind of embraced that. Yeah, of course. You know, you're not silly in terms of when you accept that responsibility. It's a big, it's a big responsibility given what just happened, given who you're succeeding as well. Um, and this club's always known success. So when you take that job, you have to deliver success. And and of course, you understand all those things. And you then take the mantle of you know now I've got to be responsible for for what happens at this club and and for the success that this club's got. So. You know, I, I just seen it as a challenge though, I've seen it as, I've had a lot of learning curves in my life and in my career um, and I felt like, you know, I felt like I could do the job in, in, in terms of taking that responsibility, I have enough, enough experience now in football to, to understand the lows and the highs and, and, and never really get too high or low, so you have to have that consistency about, you know, one, your work and, and two, your personality as well and in terms of when things are going well, you know, you keep everybody level and when things aren't maybe going so well, you know how to pick people back up and, and get back on track because ultimately, you know, what happens in this building and what happens every day, then that'll get the team success. You know, everything, all the external noise as people trying to put you off and trying to distract you. You know, we have to be super tight and as a group, we've got to trust each other and then when we go on the pitch, that'll show as well. So it's about having all those kind of experiences as well and obviously talk about, you know, Rooney in the book in, in terms of being a brilliant teacher of what that role looks like. So to see him doing it for many years and, and follow him and follow him about the building and see how he how he speaks to people, how he how he manages people, then you know, that was it was so invaluable for me, you know, good times, bad times, you see how these guys operate and and like I say, when I accepted that responsibility then I felt like I had a good teaching in terms of him being the guy that I looked up to. And I thought, right, okay, I, I think I've got enough in my locker here to, to go and do this job and, you know, so far it's 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 been a reasonable success. It's interesting he, Scott, writes the, the foreword in the book, apart from kind of slagging your haircut. bit, <laughs> your, your haircut and your fashion sense at the start, but <laughs> he speaks really, obviously he'd, he's known you your entire Celtic career, um, so I think he, say, he finishes off the foreword by saying he couldn't think of somebody better to, to honour the armband, so when somebody like that, who's obviously your friend as well, that's a nice thing to, to see. Yeah, of course, I, I just read a little bit about it there actually. Um, but you know, like you said, we're obviously we're close, we're friends. Um, but you know, this is business as well. So you know, you don't get you don't get anywhere in football with friendship. You have to be able to do the job as well. And and you know, for somebody like him who has so much success at this club and you know is held in such high regard as is obviously a Celtic legend, which he absolutely is. You know, and to see someone like that put put words down on paper about you, then you know, it gives you a little boost as well. in, in terms of you know, he he believes that you can do it as well. And obviously as captain, and it's how the book starts is it gets to the, the end of the season and you're the guy that comes on the pitch, we're the champions and you get to lift the trophy. It's a, it's a team effort as you'd be the first to acknowledge, but just for you and for your family, for that moment, that must have been really special. Yeah, it was. Of course it was. Um, you know, like you said, firstly, you don't, you don't have that moment if the team aren't successful. So like I said, it's, it's about what we do in this building every day. We, we build that trust with the players and we build understanding and relationships and then we, we show that on the pitch and, and hopefully that will make us successful which then gives everybody the you know the individual glory that, that they want as well so 
Um, you know, but to get that moment at the end of the season, um, obviously the boys had put so much work and effort and sacrifice throughout the season to to get us where we wanted to be, um, which was was back champions of the league. Then to get that moment, obviously to, to lift the trophy above your head was was just something you know incredibly special. The Celtic fans are going to be reading the story of you growing up, your journey through the academy. Some of your thoughts on, on the position of midfield, which is absolutely fascinating. I'm, I'm slightly apprehensive about asking you this question. Have you, have you actually enjoyed the process of doing the <laughs> No, it's, it's been good. Obviously, we've had a lot of chats, but um, a lot of hours have been in it. But you probably get a sore head more than me, right enough. But um, no, it was good. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, good to speak about different aspects that you, you probably don't normally um, speak about as well. And, and, and good to. to probably give people an insight into you know what's inside your brain and, and how you process football and you know I think a lot of the book is is probably you know psychological and in, in terms of how I see football and how I prepare and, and do all these things um, so it's, it's good to talk about that as well and, and hopefully that'll give the the supporters a, an insight into you know what life is like um, for, for us players in, in terms of representing the club. I mentioned the fact that there's very few players in football that can tell the story of, of joining an academy and working the way through to become a successful player at the same club. You've done it. We've also, we're lucky enough to have another player who is a teammate and a friend of yours all the way through your journey, James Forrest, and you know, you'd have been in the, the stand at Celtic Park on Saturday. It, there seems to be no end to what James can do. A hat-trick to score 100 goals, only one of 30 players in our history to do it. It's, it's quite incredible. It is, it's incredible. Um, you know, I was absolutely delighted for him at the weekend. I think if you asked him, could you dream up a, a perfect scenario to get to 100, then, you know, I think that would have been it. Um, super, super player. You know, he has been for, for many years. You know, I'll probably touch on that in the book a little bit as well, actually, but, you know, his consistency levels over a period of time uh, at this club to keep performing, keep scoring goals, keep getting assists, continually, you know, putting yourself out there and, and, and giving your absolute all for the club. Um, you know, there probably wasn't anybody happier than me when he when he hit that hat trick uh, at the weekend and he's a special, special player, like you said, one of thirty um at this club that have done it. And, you know, you think of the names that he's in good company with there as well and and also you think about the amount, amount of players that have played for this club to, to be in that category is, is something really special and I spoke to him this morning, he's, he's still buzzing, he's, he's on cloud nine. But I think, because humility is a, a key that runs through your book and it's a, it strikes me with James as well. Interestingly, both of you are two players that completely stay away from social media, it's all about just focusing on your football. So even though he's achieved this incredible milestone, just another incredible milestone, it's He's very humble about it, even on Saturday, and I'm sure even though he's, he's you know, he's buzzing in here, it, there's nothing that he never gets carried away with it. No, exactly, and and that's a brilliant trait to have as well, you know, humility and, and football get you a long, long way because, you know, people are either trying to build you up or, or knock you down, you know, every other week, and, and he's just got this brilliant consistency level where nothing phases him, and, and like I said, to produce that quality over a number of years um, and, and still be humble about it is... Is incredible to think, but you know that's one of his personality traits. Is he's he's as humble as they come, and um, you know, really delighted for him. Absolutely buzzing for him. Yeah. So just a reminder that 
the book comes out on the, the 20th of October. Um, so yeah, really is a, a must read. Um, Paul, at the weekend, there was, there was no B team in action on the weekend. Uh, the women's team were in action against Glasgow women on Sunday and um, it was a 7-0 victory, something we both predicted, actually. It just goes to show again, they've not conceded a goal still in the league. The women are scoring a barrel load of goals. Everything is just going really positively at the moment. Yeah, it was an interesting game actually because I think the majority of the goals came in the second half. So I think obviously we spoke about it last week, the Glasgow women's team, it's their first season in the top flight. So they're, they're taking a wee bit of time to adjust it. Obviously defensively at the weekend, they made it difficult for Celtic in the first half. But I think the longer the game goes on, just the the quality that shone out in the end and you know I think there was also you know, there was the seven goals you know keeps up this incredible start of the season there was a couple of the young players I think there were only two of the players were only about 18 they both made their first team debuts which I think is great for them I think it's great for the girls academy that again the young players that are coming through can see that pathway um, so I think there were so many positives from it and you know it's a busy week for the the women's team this week? Yeah, it is a busy week because on Wednesday they travel to Dundee to take on Dundee United in the league and then at the weekend it's the, the League Cup for them where they post Spartans. Um, in terms of the, the Dundee United game, Dundee United so far this season played seven, won two, a couple of draws in there as well. Um, but I suppose just with, with all games that they're midweek when you've got that little bit of travelling when they're away from home they just kind of have that feel of being that little bit more difficult a lot of the time don't they? Yeah and it's not something that necessarily every week the, the women's team are not playing the three games in a week so that's a different challenge as well that, that maybe have more of an impact next weekend in the cup game but I think obviously the confidence must be absolutely sky high at the moment I mean they're more or less you know unbeatable at the back and then as you say are scoring so many goals. We had, you know, obviously uh, Clarissa Larissa was a guest with you in Celtic TV at the weekend, spoke really well. I mean, she must be, it must be the dream season for her at the moment because I think that's her double figures in terms of goals yep. for Celtic. She's been capped for her country, scored her first goal for Canada last week as well. So everything's going well and then to top it all, she gets an appearance in Celtic TV with you. <laughs> Doesn't get any better than that, does it? <laughs> um, <laughs> the game against Spartans on the weekend, obviously Celtic won the League Cup last year, so they're reigning, not champions, <laughs> reigning holders of the, of the Cup. <laughs> um, but Spartans, again, I think we've touched on it a couple of weeks ago, they're always a test for Celtic women's team and just in general and in the league in, in Scotland. So I'm sure they'll be full of motivation though to go out and to try and make sure they, they keep a hold of the Cup this year. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think last season was phenomenal, winning both Cups and different circumstances and I think again I think winning the League Cup gave the team the confidence to go on and I think that, that had an impact on, on what ultimately happened in the Scottish Cup. Spartans, we spoke about it before, I think when we played them, they're always a really tough team. They're you know they're just below the kind of top three or four but they they make it difficult and it's very rare that you see them get really hammered that they, they are quite a, a dogged team. So I think again it's kind of similar to, to the men's team and it's a cup game. It's a slightly different thing for the, for the opposition, so there's nothing for them to lose. We'll go in as, as favourites, not overwhelming favourites, but you know, particularly being at home. But again, I think the team's full of confidence, and you know, I'm, I'm sure that we'll, we'll progress to the next round. Yeah. Um, let's get into the predictions. Let's, Something let's. that you 
I know you're excited to, to get into. Um, so last week, um, yeah, you got two correct scores, right? You predicted that the Ireland women team would beat Scotland 1-0 in that World Cup playoff and that Celtic women would also win 7-0 against Glasgow women. Um, I got one correct score, right? We both predicted yeah. the same one as well. So in terms of the standings at the moment, um, the fan we had on last week didn't get any correct scores right, but got quite a few of the results right. So at the moment, you're sitting in 12 at the top. You, the supporters, are sitting in 10, and I'm in 8. So I've got a bit of catching up to do. <laughs> so hopefully this week is a week I can start climbing the table a little bit more because I'm starting to get a little bit concerned about my ability to, or my knowledge in football. Um, With age comes wisdom. <laughs> this week we've got uh, John Thomas on uh, to, to predict from the fans. Uh, he is from Belfast but lives in Galway and he's been a Celtic supporter all of his life. He said he used to travel all the time in the ferries over and um, yeah, he's, he's very much looking forward to this one. So he's actually also probably the most optimistic Celtic fan I've ever experienced before, which I absolutely love, as you'll find out in the results <laughs> when, we get, when we get through them. So um, first up, let's take uh, Celtic's trip to Motherwell on Wednesday in the League Cup. What's your, what's your thoughts? I'm going to go for 3-1 to Celtic. 3-1 for Celtic, OK. I'm going to go for 2-0, I think... Uh, We've not, we've not get a clean sheet in a little while and I think Wednesday night's going to be the night that we get it um, and John's went for 5-1 to Celtic Excellent Yeah, love I it hope, I hope John's right actually Yeah, I know <laughs> Honestly, I hope he's right in pretty much all of these because he's went for a lot of high scores um, I'm going to take another League Cup game uh, Kilmarnock against Dundee United Tricky one because Kilmarnock lost at the weekend Dundee United as well got a little bit of form but I'm going to go 2 1 Kilmarnock simply on that horrible plastic pitch at home. That might just swing it for them. Mm -hmm. um, John's also went for 2 1 for Kilmarnock. I'm going to go, I know obviously a team has to progress, but I'm going to go for one each um, over the over the 90 minutes. And I know, I, I don't know who's going to win in penalties, but I think, that, I think the actual result will be, will be one each. I don't know. I think Kilmarnock is struggling to get a goal, to get goals recently. And it's um, going to go to penalties. It'll go to penalties. Right, okay. Yeah, that's my prediction. Um, Dundee United, you don't know what one's going to turn up. Got a couple of good results um, of late, so we'll, we'll see about that one. Um, then the women's trip to Dundee to face Dundee United midweek as well. What's your, your thoughts? I'm going to go for 4-0 to Celtic. 4-0, OK. John's went for 4-1 to Celtic, and I'm going to go for 3-0 as well. Um, just think they're going to continue that that run of not conceding a goal in the league. Um there's, been, there's lots of games this midweek, so the fourth one we're going to take is down in England, and it's Man U against Spurs. Man United against Spurs. I'm going to go for 2-1 to Spurs. Yeah, it's a, going to be a clean sweep of predictions for Spurs to win, because John's went 3-2 to Spurs, and I'm going to go for 2-0 as well. Um, Spurs are doing well at the moment, and Man U, again, you don't know what's going to turn up. He's, Antonio Conte's a really good manager. I mean, he's... It's kind of like similar to Mourinho. He's never going to be lauded in years to come for the you know the fantastic football the way Guardiola is, but he makes his teams so difficult to beat. Mm -hmm. And if you've got people like Harry Kane and, and Son up front, then you're going to get goals. I know. And uh, Neil Lennon's side almost got a result against Man U last week exactly. as well. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> um, so looking ahead to the weekend's action now and Celtic women at home to Spartans. I will go for two-one to Celtic. 
I've went 3-1. John's went 6-1. Yes. Celtic. Oh, yes. Brilliant. <laughs> um, and That's then, ridiculous. We're, we're, we're working for it. We're, we're much more cautious. Oh, I know. I need, I, yeah, I love the optimism. It's brilliant. Um, and then for Celtic, first team against Hearts on Saturday at lunchtime kickoff as well. I'm going to go for 2-1 again for us in that one as well. Uh, we're going to get the winner. It'll be... Uh, either a, a dodgy VAR penalty or it'll be a, a goal that uh, <laughs> some, yeah. it'll be a VAR decision that'll win it for you us and then, and then next week we'll be going VAR's brilliant so I was literally <laughs> going to say we were sitting here chatting saying oh we're going to end up discussing about how bad VAR's been we're going to get VAR in our favour on Saturday 90th minute or something to, to win the game uh, I'm going to go for 3-0 um, yeah, again just hearts have been, been on the wrong end of a lot of big score lines recently um, and particularly at home they've not been that strong I know the, the in Europe they're playing against like Fiorentina and things and it's always going to be difficult for them but still th- things aren't looking too great for them at this moment and John has went for 4-0 so brilliant <laughs> <laughs> um, and finally just one other game from our Scottish Premiership this weekend is Motherwell against Aberdeen I think it will be 2-1 to Aberdeen Yep, clean sweep for Aberdeen's because John's went for 3-1 and I'm going to go for 1-0 for Aberdeen as well. They got a good result the, the, the weekend against Hearts. Um, but yeah, I think it might be quite a tight game. Hopefully next week we're sitting here and I can say I've jumped ahead of you, but uh, I've still got a little bit of catching up to do, so we'll see. It's going to be a long season. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, thanks very much for, for joining us again on this episode of the Celtic View podcast and do join us again next week. Thanks for now.